Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host, And I am a change and transformation specialist working with retailers to take on the challenge of complex change and identify the ideal operating models and the transformation that needs to happen to bring them into reality, helping drive lower operating costs, helping drive growth in new or existing markets and helping boost customer experience. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. This one is episode 215. Now, currently, at the back end of 2022, we are seeing loads of acquisitions in and around the retail market. And as we continue through the tough trading period into 2023, unfortunately, it feels quite likely to me at least, that we'll see some more retail companies and more brands facing poor financial performance and therefore becoming likely targets for takeover or acquisition, either as an exit strategy for the current shareholders or after a dreaded administration or bankruptcy. But mergers and acquisitions offer big opportunities if you can overcome the risks and threats that also are attached as well. So I thought it would be useful right now to be exploring the transformation involved during an acquisition with the goal of helping you either as an acquirer or as an acquiree, shall we say, to deliver a successful acquisition and perhaps a successful integration afterwards as well. Do catch up on the show notes over at obandco.uk slash 215. That's obandco.uk slash 215. So there have been loads of acquisitions, as I just mentioned, in recent times. And actually, the data, certainly for the UK, suggests that we're seeing about 20% more acquisitions year on year. And like I say, as we go into tough trading, that number, I think, could increase a little bit further as well. So a few of the recent notable acquisitions, and I'm sure I will have missed some. (laughs) Next have bought Made.com. Next have also bought Jules. M&S have been active too. They have bought the technology powering Thread. And they've also invested in their supply chain, buying Gist. Fraser's Group have been on an acquisition buying Spree, buying luxury suit maker Geeves & Hawks. They've bought Amara, they've bought Misguided, I Saw It First, Sneaker Boy, Studio Retail, and they've been buying quite a few other companies in recent years as well. The Authentic Brands Group have been buying up Ted Baker and Reebok, plus others. Hilco have bought out Kath Kidson. Benson for Beds have bought Eve, the mattress company. Morrison's have bought out convenience store McColl's. And then in the last couple of years... We've seen loads of other acquisitions as well. The really big ones have included Asda being bought 
from Walmart by the EG Group. Debenhams, of course, were bought out by Boohoo. And all of the different Arcadia brands were brought out as well, mostly between ASOS and Boohoo again. And these are just the UK ones. There have been loads of others as well internationally. And not just of retail businesses. We've got companies like Amazon buying up various companies, for example, in the healthcare industry as they look to expand their scope. And what's quite interesting, a couple of those companies, certainly, particularly Jules and Made.com, have themselves both made acquisitions earlier this year already, before, of course, being acquired right at the back end. And we're also seeing the mega merger of Albertsons and Kroger, two enormous grocers in the US as well. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more mega mergers going into 2023 as well. Oh, and by the way, if you are interested in keeping track of the big acquisitions, then you must sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing as well. It's my email newsletter, which include all of the key retail transformation headlines from around the world, as well as insight and intel to help you successfully transform and evolve. Sign up totally for free, no strings attached, over at obandco.uk slash 215. That's obandco.uk slash 215. But what's also interesting is when you consider all of those acquisitions and any others that you can think of, each is unique. Each is a one-off acquisition. The deal is different. The reason for purchase is different, which we'll get onto in just a moment. But therefore, because each is unique and different, they require a set of bespoke efforts and activities, but also they come with bespoke risks and issues as well, right? So if we're talking about change and transformation, an acquisition is arguably one of the biggest, most fundamental transformation types that you could take on. But equally, that acquisition also evolves from a fundamental transformation into a whole program of incremental transformation as well. And if you'd like to dive into the differences between fundamental and incremental transformation, then check out episode 203. So why is an acquisition taking place anyway? I think there are broadly three reasons. Firstly, it's opportunistic. A company has come up for sale. Wow, what a bargain, what a deal. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And for these fast-paced acquisitions, maybe it hasn't been fully considered before. Maybe it's about quickly taking action. Maybe it's about stopping equally another competitor from making the same acquisition as well. So that's the first reason. The second reason is for growth. And perhaps that's growth about expanding your current position. If there is close customer alignment, Maybe you want to sell more to the current customer base, but it could be about moving into a new market or with a new proposition, perhaps expanding into a new category or even expanding into a new geography as well, getting a footprint in another part of the world or even another part of the country, right? And you could be equally looking to protect your growth by buying that company that is taking market share from your current position. So growth is a second big reason. And then thirdly, it could be more strategic. Perhaps 
you want to offer a new business model, you know, moving into rental or resale or something like that. Or perhaps there is something very specific that is looking to be purchased. Again, it's a particularly unique situation. And for any given acquisition, especially if it is of a more strategic nature, you have to consider, well, what is actually being purchased? Well, again, there are a number of different reasons. You might be purchasing customer data, a customer database. You might be, as we were talking about just a moment ago, buying market share or a particular international footprint. You might be buying the technology and the systems, or perhaps you're looking to buy the people and the expertise that exists within the other company. Maybe you're looking to get hold of key locations, stores, warehouses, other locations. Maybe it's about buying patents and intellectual property. Or connected to that, maybe it's just about the brand, the logo, and the heritage that goes with that. Or a whole mix of any of the above. So I'm sure you've gathered with an acquisition, there is a lot to think about. It is a big strategic play. So you must think about it in a strategic way. You know, what happens if you do make the acquisition? What happens if you don't? And add in more what-if scenarios too, around the market, around what your competitors are doing, and around bigger global factors as well. And then, once the acquisition has been made, wow, amazing, right? Well, that's when the fun really begins, because you then get into the whole question around integration. And hopefully you have started those questions before making the acquisition, right? <laughs> but those questions are around, well, should you take the acquired company and tightly integrate it to the existing company or not? Should you run it as a new business unit, as a completely separate company? How are you going to treat and transfer people? Are people even included? Yes or no? And all of this really, you know, as I was just saying, depends on what is being purchased, what is being acquired, what is wanted, and what is valuable. And when it comes to acquisitions, I think there are eight big considerations that you need to lean into. And whilst you may think initially of starting with the financial case, I'd suggest you consider it from a customer's point of view first. Why would your customers be interested? Why does this acquisition make sense? That is a critical question to answer. And equally, why should the acquired company's customers care as well? You need to think about this from both perspectives. And the reason why this is important is this really shows the alignment of the acquisition. If the acquisition is not aligned, you seriously risk the bigger group company being torn apart in two different directions. And that might be okay. That might be your intention to create a group of completely separate companies that can each go their own way. But if you are looking to acquire a company and have it as one company with one strategy, one vision, one purpose, one North Star, however you want to describe it, the customer alignment has to be the starting point. Because if customers would be confused or distraught at news of the acquisition, it's going to play throughout the entire business and operating model as well. So start with customer focus. Why would customers care? Why would they be interested? 
And the business case where you were perhaps thinking of starting is a great place to move to next because an acquisition is most probably quite a bit of cash that needs to be laid down. It's a serious investment. And it's a serious investment, not just in cash terms, but also in terms of effort. You know, there's going to be lots of thinking, lots of meetings, lots of discussions, lots of headspace that zooms into this. And if it doesn't make a great business case, why are you doing it, right? So customer focus and a clear business case, really critical to get after. And then integration is another really important factor, as we were talking about a few minutes ago. What is your integration strategy if you are going to combine into certainly one company? What is the combined vision? Does it need to change? Does one company already have that vision in place? Or maybe it's a strategic purchase that allows that vision to expand or shift or maybe become complete. But also with integration, consider what's the common ground and what's the company culture, assuming that you are buying an aspect of people more than just the branding or a particular piece of intellectual property, for example. I've certainly heard and read that an aligned culture is the number one success factor for making a successful integration of an acquisition or a merger as well, for that matter. So do you have common ground? Do you have similar cultures if you are thinking about integrating? Next up, you really must think about the operating model. And in particular, clarity over what the operating model is for both companies and how you're going to then use those two operating models to become one operating model. This is where I avoid breaking into Spice Girl song (laughs) to become one, right? Christmas time, no? (laughs) But in all seriousness, an operating model is an excellent tool to be able to manage the integration. It helps to be clear about what is changing and how that combined operating model will work in the future. And it also ensures that the new larger business functions in a simple way that is clearly understood by all and allows you to deliver that new shared purpose, shared vision, shared North Star. Now with OB and Co, I've worked on several different acquisition projects, both with the acquirer and the acquiree. So it's interesting to see both sides of the deal, so to speak. With businesses that are making acquisitions, I've worked with them to help align the complete operating model and really understand the change roadmap that needs to happen through integration and beyond as well. And that clear and effective operating model is also great for the companies being acquired, where it allows the purchasing company to really get a grip of what the processes and the procedures, the ways of working are, as well as how it ultimately delivers value and the likelihood of it delivering future value too. So having a clear and effective operating model is essential for both sides of the acquisition. It enables conversations. It enables communication between the two. It helps to identify issues and opportunities. And ultimately, it drives in a whole lot more visibility for the integration and how things will work in the future. The next consideration is around people. Now, of course, if you are acquiring a company, there are going to be loads of different HR policies and procedures, which I'm not going to get into now because 
it's really complicated, to be quite frank, and you obviously need to consult with a series of experts on that particular HR integration, and it's going to be different wherever you are in the world. But a couple of overarching themes are, number one, thinking about the culture, as we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. How can you avoid an us and them scenario? Now, I personally believe it's going to be fairly natural for an us and them scenario to come up almost in every single acquisition. The question for you is, how do you quickly go past that? How do you move to a just an us scenario, right, where you are one team, one family? And equally, how are you then going to align all of the different people, procedures and protocols and policies, be it around organization structure, people development, benefits and rewards, behaviors, values, loads of stuff to get into from a people integration side, of course. So you must really dive deep into this element for sure. And closely linked to that, communication is the next essential factor to consider. And you've got two sides to communication here. You've got an internal form of communication to both existing teams, us and them, for want of a better term. (laughs) But you need to be thinking about, well, what does it mean for them? And how can you use communication to get that alignment, avoid that us and them culture, and also tackle the rumor mill that will inevitably and quickly escalate? especially with people thinking about redundancies and job security or perhaps moving offices or moving locations, whatever that is. So you've got the internal communication that needs to happen, but you've also got loads of external communication. Perhaps it's with a regulatory body. Perhaps it's to the press or to investor relations. And of course, your customers as well. You need to explain why this acquisition is of relevance and what it means for them as well. And whilst you've got internal and external stakeholders to communicate to, you also need to consider confidentiality through the process as well. It's likely the acquisition is going to start with a fairly close circle. So how are you going to track who's in that close circle? Who's in the know, so to speak? And what do they know? Because you're not going to want to necessarily communicate everything out to everyone, especially for those more strategic acquisitions. The next factor is around technology and how you can best find the best of both companies and ensure that you've got a clear roadmap to integrate the two completely different, most likely, architectures that exist. And both companies are going to need to make changes on a potentially broad scale with a scope of every single system that operates within that company, right? And technology, therefore, will include lots of duplication, which we'll come back to in a moment. So you need to think about, with that duplication, what is the plan? Which system will be the master system that is going to be used? Or are both systems going to continue to operate side by side? And as I'm sure you know, there are loads of different systems within any given retail company. So you really need to get into the details here. The operating model is going to be an excellent resource for this. But consider the timelines of integration. Consider how you'll minimize the risk. What prep can be done beforehand? What's the backup plan? What plans for redundancy or other failures do you need? And ultimately, what are the implications when it comes to technology and technology integration? The next big consideration are the benefits of becoming one. Now, I'm sure this has been considered in the business case, 
But you need to think about the synergies that each business can help the other one with. Maybe that's around knowledge or ways of working, particular expertise. It could be around efficiencies and how you can save money by working better together. Maybe that's around buying at scale, for example, or sharing resource and specialist knowledge, or making the most of the combined location pool. And of course, there's going to be lots of duplication and crossover all over the company, the combined company that is. And you need to recognize this early. It offers both opportunities because you can remove duplicate effort, but it also offers threats as well. It creates lots of noise, particularly if you think, I've got two legal departments. Do we need two legal departments? No, probably not. So is one legal department going to be thinking, oh my goodness, you know, job security, as we were talking about earlier. But you also need to think about duplication of effort, duplication of headspace as well. Everything takes a lot longer. And also be very careful as you're drawing up that previously mentioned business case of duplication of customer numbers, for example. Is there crossover with your current audience, let's say? When you look at locations and you map them out, is there crossover or overlap there? That means you can't just add all of the sales of the other company on, right? And all of these combine ultimately into the benefits and perhaps negative benefits of becoming one company, right? So those are the eight different major considerations that you need to be thinking about. And all of these should factor into the due diligence, of course, prior to the deal happening. And you may even want to think, particularly if you are open to quick purchases, think, what is the blueprint for acquisition? And how can you prepare to quickly move on this with essentially no notice for any given company? You know, you're going to want to have, for example, an operating model and an understanding of your strengths and weaknesses in the operating model. That's going to help also define what strategic acquisition targets would make sense. What are the generic integration elements and factors that you need to plan for? And then how can you customize it when you do know the details? Again, particularly important if you are going to make a rapid acquisition, which if you are thinking about buying a distressed company, you don't know when that is going to come up. So that is more likely to be fast paced. So you do want to be prepared to do the due diligence quickly. Now, we've covered loads of different topics here, and each one could be expanded and would need to be expanded, of course, if you are in that place of making an acquisition or being acquired. But what are the big challenges when it comes to acquisition? Here are five big challenges that I wanted to leave you with today. Firstly, we touched on it earlier, acquisition can distract. It can blow you off course in both the short and the medium term. Acquisitions are big strategic plays. They take up a lot of headspace, particularly of the executive team, but also functional experts throughout the business as well. And when you are focused on an acquisition and your attention is on the acquisition rather than the core business, it's easy for that proverbial cash cow of the core business to drift, to lose pace, to lose momentum, right? So you have to think, is your core business in a place that is sustainable in terms of leadership, in terms of direction, in terms of performance? And how can you avoid your acquisition distracting you and blowing you off course? Next, we touched on this one earlier as well. How can you avoid the acquisition tearing the business apart 
in the longer term. So do you have aligned customer groups or is it going to result in misalignment? Especially important, as we were talking about earlier, if you're trying to operate two businesses as one complete business rather than as a group of disparate businesses, right? Each with their own CEO and their own exec team and their own strategy and vision and so on. The next challenge is that you never realize the full benefits that you have in your business case. And that's a challenge because if you don't realize those full benefits, would it still have made sense to make that acquisition? Or actually, would you have come to a different decision in hindsight? Now, what are the reasons for this? Loads of different reasons, right? Maybe the benefits were overstated initially. Maybe you never managed to achieve those synergies. Maybe the integration didn't quite go as planned and one or other business is misfiring in terms of performance. Maybe you missed a load of risks. There could be loads of different things, but you never realize the full benefits. And that could have changed the ultimate business decision of making an acquisition. The next big challenge is that the acquisition adds more complexity, which is related to the previous one. Now, maybe there's hidden complexity in terms of business confusion or additional steps to align the larger company. But equally, maybe the operating model was not clarified or aligned. And now there is confusion and duplication around how things work. And all of that makes things more complicated. It makes it clunky. And then finally, the big challenge that we need to face into is that you're making a quick deal, but it's not been fully considered and the due diligence has not been thorough enough, especially if it is a last minute quick deal, right? The prep work hasn't been done. The due diligence has been quick and glossed over some of the details and that could lead to all of the other challenges that we've just discussed, right? So an acquisition is exciting, right? It offers huge opportunities for both businesses. Maybe it's a way out of a hole for a business that unfortunately has failed. Maybe it's a way to grow into new markets. Maybe it's a way of expanding the business to achieve the ultimate vision. But it's hard work. It's complicated. And you need to be working really effectively. Hard work, smart work, and lots of care, as I always say. And if you are going through an acquisition, whichever side you're on, whether you are acquiring or being acquired, you know, I wish you a ton of luck. And if I can help particularly with operating models and the process of change and transformation, do reach out. You know where I am. You can always email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'll put my email on the show notes today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 215. And of course, you'll find extra listening over there as well. If you have been inspired by today's conversation, three episodes to check out. First up, we were talking about the importance of communication earlier. So I'd love you to listen to episode 209 with communication expert Lucy Eckley. And in particular, listen out for the moment in that, which was really inspiring for me, where we were talking about the fact that communication means a two-way exchange, not just a broadcast. It's easy to forget that, right? In episode 203, I lifted the lid on fundamental and incremental transformation. And as I mentioned earlier, 
acquisitions include elements of both. It's fundamental transformation at the start, but it evolves into incremental transformation later on. And then finally, diving a little deeper into the archives and you come up to episode 53 called The Retail Transformation Menu. Now, I believe this is the longest episode in the history of this podcast, and it has been dubbed as the mini MBA on transformation. And of course, acquisition features as part of that episode as well. So do go and check out episode 53. And if you can't remember those three episodes, then the single one place that you must head over to is obandco.uk slash 215 and sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there to keep your finger firmly on how the retail market is evolving and what acquisitions are taking place right now. Thank you so much for listening in to this episode. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you've got questions or comments, as always, I love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. So reach out, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And otherwise, I'll look forward to joining you in another episode of the podcast very, very soon. Bye for now.